The following presentation is brought to you by the Realm Network. Buzz Burbank, news and comment. January 5th, 2017. Thank you very much for listening and for shopping through my Amazon links at buzzburbank.com. Health insurance for as many as 30 million Americans is in jeopardy. Trump and the new Republican Congress promised to repeal and replace Obamacare, and now they're delivering on one of those promises, the repeal without the replace. Although some general ideas have been bandied about, there is no Republican proposal, no Trump proposal for exactly how that'll work. Right now, they're just focused on repeal. It began yesterday as Republicans huddled to plot strategy and to begin the dismantling process. Incoming Vice President Mike Pence huddled with them. Even though he'll be president of the Senate and have an office there, Pence also wants an office in the House, since he'll be the go-between for Trump and both houses of Congress. In their first meeting in the basement of the House, Pence also talked about which Obama executive orders should be the first to be undone. That will apparently include the unprotecting of federal lands Obama ordered protected, scrapping rules to fight climate change, and scrapping the rules aimed at protecting gays and transgenders. The main focus is repealing Obamacare and turning Medicaid and the Veterans Administration over to corporate America. But repealing the Affordable Care Act won't be easy, even for a government that'll be mostly Republican. Neither Trump nor the Republican Congress want to do away with the pre-existing conditions part, or the part that lets young people stay on their parents' policies till they turn 26. And they won't be able to shut down the government marketplace website. To do that would take 60 votes in the Senate, and Republicans only have 52. What they can do with a simple majority in the Senate is change some of the financials. Republicans don't have the votes to kill the legal requirement that everyone get health insurance, but they do have the votes to drop the income tax penalty for those who don't buy in. That helps pay for the program. They also, however, have the clout to kill the tax breaks that go to the millions of people who can't afford health insurance without some help. And it will be a slow process dismantling Obamacare. It may be late spring or summer before an actual bill can make it to the full Congress for a vote. And in the meantime, Democrats have plans to add amendment after amendment, slowing down the dismantling of Obamacare and making amendments that Republicans could never support, forcing them to vote against their own bill. Mike Pence wasn't the only luminary on Capitol Hill yesterday. President Obama was there, too, about 10 minutes earlier than Pence, to huddle with Democrats about their strategy for preserving as much of the health care law as possible, along with Medicare and the VA. Obama advised Democratic lawmakers to avoid bailing out Republicans when they paint themselves into a corner and to refer to any replacement plans, should we ever see them, as Trump care. The American Medical Association is urging Congress not to dismantle the health care law unless and until there is a replacement proposal to lay before the American people. And quoting President Obama from that meeting with Democrats, you don't tear down a house before having plans and building a new one. The Republicans, nevertheless, continued their work. The Ford Motor Company saw the writing on the wall, the wall Trump plans to build along our southern border. Tuesday morning, Trump tweeted, General Motors is sending Mexican-made Chevy Cruze to U.S. car dealers tax-free across the border, adding, make in USA or pay big border tax. Trump is wrong about that, or lying, as he is or does about so many things. 
The cars Ford is making in Mexico are shipped to countries around the world not including the United States. But the Ford Motor Company took notice of the scolding GM got and announced just hours later it's canceled its plans to build a new plant in Mexico and that it will instead hire 700 new people in Michigan to build an electric self-driving car there. Ford heard Trump when he wrote, Making USA or Pay Big Border Tax. But Ford says Trump actually had very little to do with its decision. It says it's building its electric car plant in the U.S. because it needs people with more than just a high school degree, as well as people who are computer literate. Rising oil prices and higher taxes are driving up gasoline prices. Gas prices have gone up every day for over a month now, rising to a national average of $2.35 a gallon. But wages are up a bit, too, partly thanks to new higher minimums in 21 states as of the new year. That means raises for nearly 4.5 million low-wage workers in the U.S. In Arizona, that's a 25% raise from $8.95 an hour to $10.50 an hour. It's up to 11 bucks an hour in Massachusetts. New government reports show home prices rising and monthly mortgage payments rising along with them. And the news is bad for Macy's, its customers, and especially its employees. The retail giant says it's closing 68 stores this year, putting 10,000 employees out of work. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain, said the man who claimed to be the Wizard of Oz. Trump also wants us to pay no attention to the man behind the Iron Curtain, namely Russian President Vladimir Putin, who by most accounts, orchestrated the hacking and publishing of non-incriminating emails from the Clinton campaign, which tipped the election to Trump. And while 17 intelligence agencies made up mostly of non-political career people, while they insist the Russians hacked the election to help Trump win, Trump still insists he knows more than the U.S. intelligence community when it comes to computers and hacking. At his New Year's Eve party, Trump told reporters, I know a lot about hacking, and hacking is a very hard thing to prove. It could be somebody else, and I know things other people don't, so they cannot be sure. A whiz, if ever a whiz there was. Trump wouldn't say what he knows, but said he would sometime this week. He was waiting to be briefed by our intelligence chiefs first, briefings he's mostly managed to avoid. Trump's press secretary says it would be irresponsible to blame Russia. Trump has a history of praise for Vladimir Putin and for the way that former KGB agent is handling Russia. Over the weekend, he praised Putin for holding back on retaliating against the U.S. for its retaliation for the election meddling. Giving comfort to the enemy is part of the definition of the word treason. Instead, Trump says we shouldn't trust computers, that we rely on them too much, that no one really understands them and that no computer is safe. Trump recommends we follow his lead and use couriers to deliver important data. That's right, he said couriers. And presto, your computer security problems are solved thanks to couriers. Unless you're an electric company in Burlington, Vermont, that finds Russian malware on one of your laptops, and you're part of a huge regional grid of electric companies, and you hear about all this in an alert from Homeland Security... A Vermont senator called that a serious threat. Vermont's governor called Putin one of the world's leading thugs and called on Washington to make the hacking stop. A courier is also no help if you're a country trying to hold a fair election and Russian hackers steal documents from one side in that election and then release them just before voting day. But to Trump, this Russia talk is all fantasy and speculation. Never mind the 17 intelligence agencies whose help he'll desperately need 
as he goes to where no real estate investor has gone before. In his words, I think we ought to get on with our lives. Right off the bat, Trump is at odds with Republican lawmakers. There's a growing tension between Republicans, some who see the Russian election meddling as an attack on the U.S. and want even more retaliation than President Obama's already handed out, including Senators John McCain and Lindsey Graham. And then there's Trump, who believes there's nothing to see here, that we should all return to our homes and get a good night's rest. Trump's national security advisor, Mike Mad Dog Flynn, agrees, nothing to see here. And now Trump is siding with WikiLeaks founder and alleged sex offender Julian Assange in saying the Clinton campaign emails published by WikiLeaks did not come from Russia. House Speaker Paul Ryan and Senator Lindsey Graham are again dumbfounded by Trump's choice. Ryan says Trump will be better informed after that intelligence briefing on Friday. President Obama and key senators will be briefed on the Russia investigation today. Our intelligence experts say they are 100% certain that at least two of the hacks were conducted by Russian spies. But Trump continues to bash American intelligence, making it his enemy as no president has since Richard Milhouse Nixon. Today, the Trump camp is planning an overhaul of the intelligence community, including ditching the director of national intelligence. That post was created after 9-11, to coordinate intel between the FBI, CIA, and other agencies. It could be gone now. Trump was to have revealed on Tuesday or Wednesday what he knows about hacking and intelligence, but both days passed with no such revelations. Trump has also failed to deliver on his promise to explain how he's divesting himself from his worldwide multi-billion dollar businesses to avoid the obvious conflicts of interest he'd have as president. But then he's also not revealed his tax records, as promised. And Trump hasn't had a news conference in nearly six months, a new record for someone in his position. Trump clearly still prefers Twitter, although he has announced a press conference for next week. Unless he decides not to. Trump continues to assemble his administration. Guarding the hen house over at the Securities and Exchange Commission will be Jay Clayton. Clayton, a Wall Street lawyer will now be in charge of Wall Street, assuming he's confirmed by the Senate. Trump tapped a Goldman Sachs executive to run the Treasury Department and a fast food CEO to run the Labor Department. The Department of Commerce will apparently be a guy known as the King of Bankruptcy. A critic of public education will run the Education Department, and a climate change denier will run the Environmental Protection Agency. And Trump's just-named fellow reality TV figure Omarosa to be a White House communications director. But Trump's most controversial nominee is the man he's chosen to run the Justice Department, Alabama Senator Jeff Sessions. More than 1,200 law school professors have signed a letter to the Senate urging it to reject that nomination. In their letter, the lawyers wrote, Nothing in Senator Sessions' public life has convinced us he's a different man than the attorney who was deemed too racially insensitive to be a federal district court judge. They pointed to Sessions' persecution and prosecution of civil rights activists and his ongoing fight to keep minorities and other likely Democratic voters away from the polls on election days under the guise of fighting voter fraud that doesn't exist. The lawyers call Sessions unacceptable as a candidate for U.S. Attorney General, and they are not alone. Some of today's civil rights leaders got themselves arrested Tuesday night for a sit-in they staged at Sessions' office in Mobile. They point to his record of, quote, racially offensive remarks and behavior. 
One dictionary defines the word ethics as a set of moral principles that govern behavior. Now that a man with a litany of conflicts of interest is about to be president of the United States, your lawmakers in Washington apparently have decided they don't need ethics either. In the dark of night Monday, without any warning behind closed doors, the Republicans who control the House of Representatives voted to gut the Independent Office of Congressional Ethics, and they voted to do this overwhelmingly, 119 to 74. Those who voted for gutting the ethics office will tell you their vote made the office stronger. Congressman Bob Goodlett of Virginia actually said of the office, quote, this amendment does nothing to impede their work. What Goodlett and other Republicans aren't talking about is how their vote would have turned an independent panel into one that would be controlled by the very lawmakers it was set up to investigate. Lawmakers would be policing themselves what could possibly go wrong. What they also didn't mention is how the Office of Congressional Ethics would be banned from investigating anonymous tips about the alleged misdeeds of lawmakers. They didn't mention how their vote would keep investigations secret from the voters who elected them. And they didn't talk about how there would be a statute of limitations on those investigations. If too much time were to pass, a lawmaker could not have been investigated, no matter how heinous the allegations. Government watchdog groups were flabbergasted by the gutting, especially with all the talk of handing out fat government contracts to rebuild our infrastructure. The Office of Congressional Ethics was founded eight years ago after three members of Congress went to jail for corruption. Although the office was supported by Republicans for a while, now that they have the White House and a majority in the House and Senate, the office was nearly eliminated. Quoting former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, who helped create the office, evidently ethics are the first casualty of the new Republican Congress. Ironically, Trump weighed in on this. He agreed with Republican lawmakers that the Office of Congressional Ethics is unfair as it stands now, but he criticized the timing of the proposal. On Twitter, of course. He asked the lawmakers to put the ethics thing aside for now and focus instead on the issues which to him are tax reform and health care. Quoting from Twitter, With all Congress has to work on, do they really have to make weakening the independent ethics watchdog their number one priority? When House Republican leaders warned against gutting the ethics office, their own lawmakers refused to listen. When Trump spoke, within hours, the lawmakers who voted to gut the office announced they would drop the matter, for now. But again, it may not have been Trump. Congressional offices were flooded with phone calls and social media attacks from the public. But the Republican Congress's love of secrecy continues, voting on its very first day to ban video and still cameras from the floor of the House. That's partly a response to the legislative sit-in last summer in which Democrats stopped the proceedings to demand the passage of new gun laws after the massacre in Orlando. When the Republicans who control the House shut off the C-SPAN TV cameras, Democrats used their phones to live-stream their protests to the public. Now that Republicans have banned cameras of every sort, it wouldn't seem we'd ever see that kind of protest again. But Democratic leader Nancy Pelosi says we will see that kind of protest again although she hasn't said how. Preparing for Inauguration Day, an ironic gun mishap, and Dylan Roof Esquire in part two after this. It is crucial now more than ever that you show your support for this newscast by doing as much of your shopping as possible through my Amazon links at buzzburbank.com. You'll land right on your very own Amazon page and get the same great prices as always. If you believe in what I'm doing here and what we're doing here together, 
it's extremely important that you go to buzzburbank.com, click on that Amazon link, then bookmark the page and make it one of your favorites. Whether you're already a Prime member or you're shopping Amazon for the very first time, going through that link, even just once, helps sustain this program. Amazon has nearly everything you need right to your door and in two days or less for Prime members. I can't say enough about how much I enjoy Amazon Prime Video, which comes with the Prime membership, along with music, books, and more. And please, use my Amazon link if you make purchases for your office, school, church, or some other organization. To those of you who already shop through my link, thank you. And if Amazon's not right for you, you can also support this program by clicking on the PayPal button just below the Amazon button in the upper right corner at buzzburbank.com. Fifteen days until we no longer have a president who always speaks in complete, coherent sentences. President Barack Obama will deliver what's being called a farewell address Tuesday from Chicago, where he launched his first presidential campaign. The White House says the speech is to say thank you to the voters for what he calls an amazing journey, along with some thoughts on where we all go from here. Mr. Obama will also talk about the accomplishments under his administration, achievements that will likely be undone when Trump takes the oath 15 days from now. President Obama, meanwhile, remains focused on a smooth transition of power come January 20th. A Gallup poll just before New Year's found Barack Obama to be the man admired by the most Americans in 2016, Hillary Clinton as the most admired woman. On New Year's Eve, Trump tweeted, Happy New Year to all, including my many enemies and those who have fought me and lost so badly they just don't know what to do. A soprano from the Mormon Tabernacle Choir and some of the New York City Music Hall Rockettes have now joined the list of performers refusing to appear at Trump's inauguration. An estimated 200,000 women are expected to take part in a protest march in Washington the day after Inauguration Day. Among the big names walking in that protest, political comedian Samantha Bee and actress-comedian Amy Schumer, who is the second cousin once removed from the new Democratic leader in the Senate, New York's Chuck Schumer. There will be protest rallies against Trump across the country on the 15th, led by Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders. Mitt Romney did not attend the inauguration of President Obama four years ago, but Hillary and Bill Clinton will attend the inauguration of Trump. Traditionally, ex-presidents do attend to witness the swearing-in of the new one. That explains Bill and 92-year-old Jimmy Carter, who was the first to accept an invitation. George H.W. Bush won't be there since he is increasingly ill at 92. But his son, George W., will, even though Trump repeatedly mocked W.'s brother Jeb during the Republican primaries. Losing candidates do not normally attend, which makes Hillary's presence unusual, except that Michelle Obama and Laura Bush and Rosalind Carter will also be there, all of them, to witness the thing they thought they'd never see. And hey, whatever happened to that guy Merrick Garland? The short answer is he's still chief judge of the U.S. Court of Appeals in Washington, which is where he was when he accepted President Obama's nomination to the United States Supreme Court nearly a year ago. But historians will remember him even if the rest of us don't. Like a child in a grocery store who refuses to be dragged another inch, the Republican Congress vowed it would not confirm that nomination, would not hold a hearing to consider the nomination, and would not even meet with the guy back in their congressional offices. And for 293 days, Republicans stood their ground, making Garland the all-time record holder now 
for the number of days a nominee has waited for confirmation and didn't get it. And then the new Congress was sworn in on Tuesday. And while they became our new Congress as the clock ticked over to noon, Merrick Garland's nomination evaporated. So the seat left vacant by the dead Antonin Scalia remains open to possibly be filled by Trump and our new 115th Congress. Although congressional Democrats say they will stand in the way of any Trump nomination. A Republican power grab in North Carolina has been stopped, at least for now, by a judge. North Carolina's Republican lawmakers had voted to strip the new Democratic governor of some of his powers after their candidate failed to win re-election. They took away the new governor's partial control of the state elections board and his supervision of the state's board of education. The move inspired a string of lawsuits, one of which has been decided, for now, by a judge who admits the final decision may be up to the North Carolina Supreme Court. These are the same Republican state lawmakers, by the way, who voted to ban transgender people from public restrooms, passed a severely restrictive voter ID law, and put extreme limits on women seeking abortions. This time, they set out to, among other things, cut much of the early voting that usually favors Democrats. Dateline, Texas, one of the gunslinging states in America. New Year's Eve brings fireworks and celebratory gunfire to the Rio Grande Valley. Yeehaw! But shooting a gun into the sky has consequences. What goes up must come down, and a falling bullet comes down hard and fast. One of those struck a man in the head. He had to be rushed to surgery that night to remove the bullet from his skull. He'll apparently be all right since the bullet didn't get past the skull. The victim is one of the state representatives who shaped Texas's gun laws with some help from the state's gun enthusiasts. The wounded lawmaker is Armando Martinez, who's been fully endorsed by the National Rifle Association. Also from Texas, a federal judge in Fort Worth has struck down the part of Obamacare aimed at protecting transgender people from health care discrimination and to protect access to abortion services. The judge ruled that telling a doctor he has to treat transgenders violates the doctor's religious freedom. There is a pattern here. This federal district court judge, Reed O'Connor, is the same judge who struck down the Obama administration ruling on transgender use of public restrooms. The Obama administration, in the two weeks it has left, says it will continue to enforce all federal laws and regulations. Dylan Roof, who killed nine black churchgoers in Charleston, South Carolina last year, practically invited the jury to put him to death. Not in so many words, of course, but Roof, acting as his own attorney in the penalty phase of his federal trial, told the jury he has no psychological problems and that he does not regret what he did, killing people because they were black with the hope of setting off a race war. Quoting the young white supremacist, I have not shed a tear for the innocent people I killed. What Megyn Kelly's move to NBC means, Omar's movie preview, and snake stories in the final segment coming up. Happy New Year's. That's what you'll have when you pop in a brand new pair of earbuds from tweakedaudio.com, especially the new Hegon Sport earbuds with silicone caps to help them stay in place. They're water-resistant with a tangle-free cord and a travel pouch. Like other tweaked audio products, the Hegon Sport Buds include an inline mic, gold-plated plug, and of course, extra gels. The Hegons are orange and gray, but Tweaked Audio's other earbuds come in a range of colors and materials, including wood. You can even get buds in sets of two or three. And Tweaked Audio earbuds just sound better. 
you certainly can't beat the prices for this level of quality, guaranteed. And the shipping is free anywhere in the world. And because everything sounds better on Tweaked Audio Earbuds, you get an extra one-third off their already great prices if you check out with the code BBNC at tweakedaudio.com. Thank you for supporting this news through tweakedaudio.com, all my other great sponsors, and through the PayPal donate button at buzzburbank.com. Tomorrow is Megyn Kelly's last day as the second highest paid talent at the Fox News Channel as she prepares to move to NBC for a daytime show and a Sunday night news magazine and other duties. Kelly, who fought off advances from Fox News chief Roger Ailes and battled with Trump, is moving up in the journalism world largely because of her battles. She's the one of whom Trump said blood coming out of her whatever, after also calling her a lightweight and a bimbo. The move doesn't mean Kelly's racial attitudes will necessarily change. Kelly has famously reported that both Jesus and Santa Claus are white and that these are verifiable claims, even though at least one of them is a fictional character and the other is verifiably a brown Middle Eastern man. We lost a lot of big names in 2016, but that list is too long and too sad to repeat again. The losses of 2016 continued up to nearly New Year's with the passing of a not-so-famous name, Robert Hulsman. Bob, if I may call him that, died at 84, but not before inventing the traveler lid for plastic cups that made it safer for coffee drinkers to sip and drive. But even more famously, Bob invented the red solo cup, later immortalized in a party song by country singer Toby Keith and countless hours of beer pong. Spoiler alert on the off chance you haven't ever seen the animated Disney classic Bambi. In the movie, Bambi's mother dies. Now, Bambi's father is dead. Tyrus Wong was the revolutionary art director on that movie and so much more. His work back then in 1946 still inspires animators today. Now, after 106 years of life, Mr. Wong has gone to be with Bambi's mom. Here's your movie weekly preview from Realm Network Arts and Entertainment Editor Omar Latiri and brought to you by Fandango. Opening this weekend, we have Underworld Blood Wars. Kate Beckinsale returns as the vampire Celine in what is being billed as the last installment of the popular Underworld series, chronicling the age-old conflict between vampires and werewolves. Rated R. There's Arsenal, a crime thriller where a southern mobster tries to rescue his kidnapped brother. Starring Adrian Grenier, John Cusack, and Nicolas Cage, Arsenal is rated R. Also opening this weekend are two limited release pictures. First, there's The Bronx Bull, based on the life of famed boxer Jake LaMotta. The Bronx Bull features an all-star cast, including William Forsythe as Jake LaMotta, and also includes such notables as Paul Sorvino, Natasha Henstridge, Penelope Ann Miller, and Joe Mantegna. I'm sure that there will be plenty of comparisons made to the 1980 Robert De Niro movie, Raging Bull, which tells the same story. The Bronx Bull is rated R. The other limited release movie is Railroad Tigers, a Jackie Chan Chinese action comedy set in 1941 about a railroad worker who leads a team of freedom fighters against the Japanese in order to get food to the poor. Railroad Tigers is not rated. And finally, my pick of this week, Hidden Figures. 
Taraji P. Henson, Janelle Monet, and Octavia Spencer star in the true story of the team of African-American women who provide NASA with important mathematical data needed to launch the program's first successful space missions. Rated PG. For Buzz Burbank News and Comment, I'm Omar Latiri. For theaters and showtimes, previews, tickets, and so much more, and to support this free news, please use and bookmark the Fandango link you'll find at buzzburbank.com. And listen to Omar on his show, Arts Review and Commentary, right here at realmnetwork.com. And a couple more programming notes. We're all family here in the podcast world, so I want to congratulate Rob Shade, the man who designed my logo, on his engagement. And you can hear this lucky astronomer accept Rob's marriage proposal on the current edition of the George and Tony Entertainment Show, also here on the Realm Network. And next week, a new feature on this program, additional commentary from Bob Seska. Although Bob was once a newsroom intern for me at CBS, he's now the bigger name. Bob is now a well-known and widely respected blogger for Salon.com and will be sharing some of what he does there, here. I'm honored to have Bob contribute to this program, and I hope you'll welcome him just as enthusiastically. Well, the subject, once again, is snakes. You won't typically see a Burmese python slithering around the Biscayne Bay National Park near Miami, but it is Florida, and yes, another one's been spotted there, this time sunbathing, a nine-foot python wrapping itself around a pylon supporting a boat dock. Burmese pythons are not native to Florida, but another in a growing list of invasive species brought by man. In another national park in South Florida, meanwhile, the Big Cypress Preserve in the Everglades, a 15-foot Burmese python did battle with an alligator. One newspaper reporter described the battle as epic. Such a battle is rare between a snake and a gator, but when it happens, the gator usually wins. Not this time. Snake catchers in Australia knew they had their work cut out for them. They'd been called to remove a snake from a home in Queensland when they found one deadly snake trying to devour another deadly snake. The eastern brown snake was winning, having swallowed down a good deal of a carpet python. The snake catchers posted a photo of the snake-eating snake, adding the caption, We're going to be here a while. Another carpet python turned up in a Queensland home this past week, this one hiding inside a child's plastic toy car from Fisher-Price. Two months ago, a family there found a carpet python hiding among the children's toys beneath their sofa. Emergency responders in Thailand this week labored to remove a large rat snake from a toilet there. And animal control officers in Virginia thought they'd find a wild snake or a ball python when they were called to an apartment in Arlington to remove a snake from a toilet. It was instead a yellow anaconda, which isn't poisonous but is dangerous, especially in a toilet. Trick or jerk, a man in Mainhausen, Germany, opened his front door on New Year's Day and didn't like what he saw. What he saw was a brick wall that had been built in front of his front door while he was sleeping like the Berlin Wall, only in Mainhausen. Quoting an investigating police officer, trick or jerk, we do not know. And finally, weed stories. You likely heard about the repeated stunt in California of changing the Hollywood sign to read Holly Weed. That was another New Year's Day eye-opener, a prank that hasn't been pulled in 41 years. This time, it was to celebrate the decriminalization of marijuana possession in small amounts in California. 
And in Massachusetts, where weed is legal to now grow and have in small amounts, it's still illegal to sell the stuff. So one Massachusetts man took to Craigslist, offering empty plastic bags for sale for anywhere from $20 to $90 apiece. Each purchaser was promised some free marijuana to go with their bag. The seller claims it's all perfectly legal since he's selling bags, not weed. The law does allow Massachusetts residents to give it away. Officials say the ads are still illegal because they're fraudulent that no one would buy an empty plastic bag for 90 bucks. You'd have to be high to do a thing like that. I'm Buzz Burbank. Thank you for listening. And thanks for supporting the shows and sponsors at BuzzBurbank.com. I'll be back next Thursday with another Buzz Burbank news and comment. The preceding presentation was brought to you by the Realm Network. From the Realm Network Studios. It's the Kirk McEwen Show with your hosts, Kirk McEwen and Big Al C. Slack. And the newest member of the show, ladies and gentlemen, Buzz Burbank. It's great to be back, and, and thanks again for, for letting me into your clubhouse. <laughs> it's so cool to have uh, a man with intelligence, great pipes, something to say on the other end. Wait, wait, who showed up? Alan Cecil. Wait a minute. <laughs> no. It's just like being at the cool table in the lunchroom. Everybody wants to sit here. <laughs> the Kirk McEwen Show. We appreciate you listening. KirkMcEwen.com. We are a classy bunch. You'll find us under our shows at RealmNetwork.com. The Kirk McEwen Show. Another great show from the Realm Network.